Welcome back to Puzzling, a true crime podcast. I'm Tiffany. I'm Sarah. And I'm Catherine. And, and we're, we're your hosts. hosts. Yay! Yay! Catherine's does... first time and she didn't screw it up. I know. <laughs> I try my hardest. I really do. <laughs> she does it better than me already. Yep. <gasps> yeah, yep. you suck. <laughs> I'm really For not sure. good at that. I don't no, know No, you really aren't. I'm, Sorry, guys. Yeah, I'm a seasoned podcast listener. Yeah, we so. got, um, you guys are familiar with Jess, and yes. now we have Catherine here with us, which is her sister. I'm the baby Bravo. Yeah. That would be me. Baby Bravs. Baby Bravo. Aw, cute. I know. You're my favorite little sister, too. Oh, <gasps> You're my favorite friend, so yeah. Aw, that's just sweet. <laughs> Jess isn't here, though. I know. Yeah. No, she, she was lame. lame. <laughs> Has to she work. She has to go be a real adult. Right. So I'm going to move my bag real quick. <laughs> I just need my chapstick. Oh my god, your <laughs> obsession yeah. with chapstick. It's okay, Missy, stay over there. Please well, don't Catherine, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into this? Uh, yeah, okay, so I am from Reno originally, and I now live in Portland, Oregon. I went there for school, and now I'm just home visiting for Christmas. Um, but how long have I known you, Tiffany? Since I was 17, so okay. six, seven, eight, nine years. That's crazy. I know. I, mean, I was still in middle school when I met you. Mm-hmm. Isn't that wild? And now you're graduated college. And now I'm graduated college. Can't relate. I'm a working woman. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> My classes relate. start in like yep. two weeks and I'm like, fuck. Oh, Ugh. shit. Yeah, I don't miss school. No. Not at all. No. But yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Well, how was your Christmas? It was really good. good. Um. Yeah, we did a lot of family stuff. Went roller skating. Yes, we went roller skating. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, got some cool presents. Nice. nice, nice. What about you guys, Sarah? I we went to Jason's family's house. Um, and yeah, it was nice. We I got new Sorel boots. Nice. I know. And uh, I didn't get any of the stuff from my parents yet, so TBD on. What I scored. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what Alex got from my dad. Yeah. <laughs> Kristen just said, it should be there Friday, last Friday. It hmm. wasn't. Um, so I'm going to have to check on that. But she said, do you guys have like a handheld torch? And I was like, what? yeah. And she was like, good. It's needed for Alex's present. And I'm like, what? What? You <laughs> so TBD on that, too. I'm okay. excited to okay. figure that out. Yeah, definitely <laughs> let me know what that is because I am intrigued. Yeah. Um. That's really interesting. I know. I don't know. Yeah, but it was good. We had some good food, and like all of his family was there, and a couple of people I hadn't met, like extended family. Mm-hmm. So it was nice. How was uh, your Christmas? Oh, it was the best ever. <laughs> um, my mom came up, and we babysat Tucker and Nova, <gasps> oh my God. and Tucker's just the sweetest little uh, guy. No. I'm so oh, jealous. I'm so in love with him. He's, he's such I a dog. Need him. I know. Well, you will. Yeah, you okay. can go over after. Today. Oh, heck yeah. Okay. If you want. Yeah, yeah. We're, at, we're at my house today. You don't have to. I know, we're finally back where we <laughs> usually are. <laughs> She's convinced me to leave the house today. Yay. Good. She needs to leave the house every once in a while. I don't yeah. like to. I don't care. You're a homebody. <laughs> I am a homebody. It's okay. We yeah. got Snowflake driving, and now we're recording. I know. Yeah. 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 It's just because, like, it's so hard to pack up the kid, because now Jason mm. doesn't have, like, he works, like, days and nights most of the week. Right. So it's like... It's just hard to get her over here and, like, not have someone watch her while we record, so. Mm. Right. But we might have to 
take a little break to go get baby in a little while anyway but (laughs) uh, jason was supposed to have the day off and he doesn't now so (laughs) he's got to work at three it's currently 150 (laughs) and we've got kind of a long one Catherine is bringing us her story yeah she's already better than jessica i know (laughs) jessica's never brought a story to the table she's lame yeah not true fan she sucks so yeah all right are we ready to get into it yeah we're keeping the banter short today yes we are so Okay. okay I mean, just like that before beginning. Part. I yeah. can't promise we're only we at won't five talk. minutes. So <laughs> I can't promise we won't talk during the episode. But man, yeah. we will. We, will. <laughs> we need the banter. Okay, are you ready? We ready? are ready. Okay. Oh, I'm nervous. Okay. <laughs> okay. So our story takes place in 1985. So Raymond Eugene Belknap, also known as Ray, and James Matthew Vance, also known as Jay. Lit, were two best friends, sometimes considering each other brothers, living in Sparks, Nevada. Ew. Ooh, yeah. what? Local case. Yeah. So just a disclaimer. So I'm going to call Raymond Ray, but I'm going to call James James because going back from Ray and Jay is just going to like trick yeah, too yeah, much. Yeah. Thank you. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so they had met in the sixth grade and were inseparable ever since. Ray was born on October 24th, 1967, making him 18 at the time, and he lived with his mother, Annetta Robertson. James was born on October 12th, 1965, so he was 20, and he also lived with his mother, Phyllis Fans. Did he get held back? How'd they meet in sixth grade? Yeah, he got held back. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, oh, wait, 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 wait. Like, Yeah, well, wait. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... The way I have this case set up is a little bit different than how you guys normally do it because it's mostly revolving around the trial that happens. Mm, okay. okay. So I'm going to try and um, explain it as best I can, but I think I have it set up in a way where it's understandable. Okay. So, But if you have questions, let me know. Okay, perfect. Okay. So one night on December 23rd, the boys were listening to the album Stained Class by Judas Priest, an early Christmas present from Ray to James. While drinking beer and smoking weed, they listened to both sides of the album multiple times, trying to understand what it meant. I figured out why we haven't heard of them. Yeah. This is uh, the 80s, early yeah. 80s. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, that band does not sound familiar. <laughs> um, so the boys then decided to trash Ray's bedroom, leaving oh, only okay. his records and vinyl player untouched. Okay, yeah, as a mother, makes sense. no, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. So outside in the living room, the children of Ray's sister, Rita Scullison, started crying as she made an emergency phone call to their mother, Onetta. She was at her job as a car dealer at a casino and rushed home immediately. Then they jumped out the window, wearing only jeans and a t-shirt, and headed towards the preschool at Community First Church of God. Oh, man. With a 12-gauge saw- <gasps> sawed-off shotgun in hand. My body just, like, got chills. <laughs> it did, like, my right side. Just... <sighs> so they entered the playground of the school and sat on a freezing, old, and rickety carousel. Ray started spinning around on it while chanting, do it, over and over again. Ray handed James a shell and then lifted the gun beneath his chin. <gasps> he said, I sure fucked up my life. And shot himself in the head, dying <gasps> almost instantly. How have I, I thought, never heard wow, of this? Wow. Okay, I thought he was gonna. Uh, yeah, I didn't different. think it was gonna be wow. himself. Wow. So an autopsy of Ray, who was six two and one hundred and forty one pounds, later revealed that he only had a single piece of chewing gum in his stomach. Oh. 
after okay. hours of smoking and drinking weed. Yep. Or hours of smoking <laughs> weed and drinking. Smoking and drinking weed. <laughs> yeah. Drinking weed. Oh well, you can do that now. Yeah. yeah. He, had, he had a CBD, uh, CBD beer or whatever it is. Right. Yeah, yeah. CBD drink. Okay, but why are we swallowing gum? <laughs> okay, I heard that, that takes like years, but I don't think it actually it's true. takes seven no. years. No, it doesn't years. actually take seven years. It's not true. No, but I, I think it's like three years old. Yeah, that was I just remember a myth. like growing up being like, I can't swallow it because it's yeah. gonna be in my system. I know. No, I remember that. I think it was just so you're like you didn't swallow it. <laughs> um. So then James grabbed the gun, which is now covered in Ray's blood, and lifted the barrel to his own chin. James pulled the trigger, blowing away his nose, lips, and a majority of his lower jaw, and the bullet exited just above his cheekbone. A neighbor called the police after hearing the two gunshots. So whether it was from oh my the angle of the gun, a last-minute <gasps> flinch in the face of death, or the slippery blood that was coating the weapon, James survived his suicide attempt. Wow. Yeah. That I does like happen. To... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, all the time. Yeah. It's I'd like to like... know... I hope there's pictures, because I want to know there how are they reconstructed that. Yeah. Okay. So after over 100 hours of reconstructive surgery, doctors were able to piece his face back together as best they could. While he was still horribly disfigured, he had a new nose that allowed him to breathe mostly normal and was able to eat food through his mouth with his two remaining teeth. Oh, man. Two teeth? Yep. I can't even, like, fathom the pain of it. Oh, oh my no, gosh. No, absolutely not. So when he was in recovery at the hospital, James wrote a letter to Ray's mother, Onetta, trying to explain why they thought they went through with their suicide pact. In the letter, he wrote, quote, I believe that alcohol and heavy metal music, such as Judas Priest, led us or even mesmerized us into believing that the answer to life was death. Mm. So grieving over the tragic death of Ray and permanent disfigurement of James, the Vance and Robertson families would proceed to file a civil lawsuit known as Vance versus Judas Priest. So, okay, like, I get that these families are grieving, like, grieving, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's terrible that that happened to them, but, like, I think Morbid says it all the time, like, people watch scary movies and, like, violent movies and listen to that kind of music, and, like, most people don't do this. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, like... And I, I don't know that you can blame... And they're not even impressionable enough at that I age. Just, like, I just don't... Like, I get why they're doing it. Like, they're grieving. But I yeah. just don't agree Yeah, and they want someone it. to be... Responsible. Yeah, yeah. held accountable for it. I just don't agree. Yeah, that, I can't imagine being, like, the parent of... Mm-hmm. Right. Like, it's someone such a tough situation. And, like, I don't know. If I were in that situation, maybe I'd feel differently. But, like, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's no, a I, tough situation. I totally know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. it's tough. Yeah. So next, I'm just going to go into some background information as to why these people felt they had to, like, do go forward with this lawsuit. Okay, okay yes. yeah, because I've never heard this band, so I don't know. Yeah. Like, right. So, okay. So before this happened, the 80s were a peak time in history for heavy metal music as well as a satanic panic. Mm-hmm. So parents who had grown up in the 50s and raised their children throughout the counterculture movements in the 60s and 70s now had to deal with their rebellious teenagers in the punk rock and heavy metal era of the 80s. So the idea that Satan himself was walking around in the suburbs was first introduced in the 1970s. I love it. And it was... I love Satan. Love Satan. Um, It was blended with other information and rumors surrounding the occult, paganism, and even fantasy lore, so like Dungeons and Dragons, 
Um, Which is just like so <laughs> Like, let kids play right. a game. Right? Shut yeah. up. They're more creative than anyone else I know. Do you know how much shit you oh. have to memorize and create to play that no, game? No, I've watched my friends never. play it, and they just, like, are so, in, like, entranced by the whole thing. I'm like, what's happening? Like, it's a whole ass, like... It's a whole world. Story. I don't yeah. get it, but, like, fucking props to people who mm-hmm. play that game. My, my tiny pea-sized brain Because I can't. I don't <laughs> not understand. Handle that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand, but it looks fucking sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, obviously, all of this stuff that was happening in the 80s went against everything that Christians were ra- raised to believe, as that was the primary religion in America. Mm-hmm. And it still kind of is. Um, so, conspiracy theories involving devil worshippers who were abusing and sacrificing children to Satan serve as a catalyst for mass hysteria. Also, though, if anyone has not seen the movie, uh, it's like a documentary on Amazon. It's called Hail Satan? With a question mark mm-hmm. at the end. Like, Hail Satan? Question mark? Mm-hmm amazing it's really such i think i've seen like the cover but i haven't watched oh my god you got it it's it's actually like i really like what they're doing what is it about it's about um the church of satan and like Mm -hmm. basically it's just made to like put i don't it's hard to explain they don't always says like satanism isn't like worshiping the devil and like no. sacrificing Mm-mm. like no. it's just i don't i don't remember it's how they mostly explain it. about okay so the podcast i was telling you about earlier cult leader mm-hmm. so he does like a two-part episode uh series on satanism mm-hmm. um i'm probably gonna butcher it but it's mostly about like self-empowerment yeah they yeah so they will they will like challenge the government yes. on like certain like bodily autonomy and like mm-hmm. all of the things that should be um like our right as pe- mm-hmm. as humans that the government tries to take away they fight it and so like you can literally just sign up on the website and say like yeah i'm a member um, yeah and they'll send you a card and like excuses you from like a bunch of like laws about your body because it's part of your religion interesting, interesting. yeah and like hmm. they yeah it's it's a really good documentary you should really watch it okay. i mean yeah if they can't discriminate against any other religion yeah mm-hmm. exactly can't discriminate against satanism yeah and um <laughs> they're like total like pacifists you're not a lot like if you are a member and you try to incite violence like they will kick you out like yeah dang. they're really really strict about it yeah. so it they're i think it's a great movement yeah me too me. <laughs> I love Satan. I have a sticker. <laughs> Just kidding. But no, I have a sticker on my laptop and it says, uh, coffee, fem- coffee, feminism, cats, and Satanism. Yeah, I love it. I'm like, yeah. I love it. Yep. Cats. Cats. <laughs> um, Catherine has two cats. I do have two cats. My They're babies. Hi, Marley. Hi, Callie. <laughs> oh, also, my mom was like, Catherine, you need to say hi to us. So, hello, mother. Oh, yeah. Hi, mom and dad. <laughs> my mom and dad and Jessica, since you're not here. Um, okay. So, a New York Times article quoted former FBI agent Ken Lanning, and he said that the evidence wasn't there, but the allegations of satanic ritual abuse never really went away. When people get emotionally involved in an issue, common sense and reason go out the window. People yeah, it's believe all fear-based responses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people believe what they want and need to believe. Yeah. So this next case, you might have heard of this one. Um, I'm just giving a little blurb to like show how like crazy the hysteria was around satanic panic. Um, so in 1983, two years before our case takes place, a woman accused an employee at McMartin Preschool in Manhattan Beach, California, of sexually abusing her son. Does this ring any bells? Mm-mm. No. So, Not besides, like, Freddy Krueger. 
That's the <laughs> only like Freddy Krueger. Well, because yeah, Freddy. What? Freddy was the old preschool like grounds. Oh my god, have you never seen the movie? Not in a hot. Yeah, minute. it's been a while. Oh yeah, he's like abusing. He got accused of abusing the kids oh. at the preschool. I wonder if this, and that's he where was the gardener. Maybe. Uh, maybe. It's like based on this Because he story. was the gardener and all the parents found, found out and killed him and like set him on fire. And that's why oh, he shit. looks the way he does. And then he goes back for the kids. Hmm. Okay. okay. Anyway, hmm. that, I don't know. Okay. That's all I could think of. No. So no, I have not heard that case. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the investigation that was led into this allegation resulted in, resulted in police sending around two sending sorry so the investigation that was led into this allegation resulting in the police sending letters to around 200 families who had children attending the school asking them for assistance the letter by the police chief stated the following procedure is obviously an unpleasant one but to protect the rights of your children as well as the rights of the accused this inquiry is necessary please question your child to see if he or she has been a witness to any crime or if she has been a victim and then proceeded to instruct parents to ask their children if they had experienced any criminal sexual acts. Okay. And so the children were also questioned by therapists and made some pretty outlandish claims. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't feel like <laughs> they should be doing this without therapy. They're chi- like tiny children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like preschoolers. preschoolers literally. Yeah. Like little tiny <clears throat> babies. So some stated they saw witches fly, okay. traveled yep. in hot air balloons, okay. and walked through secret tunnels under the school. Yeah, uh-huh. this does sound vaguely familiar. <laughs> no, vaguely. It literally sounds like Freddy Krueger. <laughs> <laughs> um, other more serious claims said that children were flushed down toilets to hidden rooms where abuse would take place and would then be cleaned up and returned to their parents. Flush down toilets. But, like, who's <laughs> believing this shit? The parents. Wait, it's do you want insane. Wanna, do you want to hear a quick side story? Yes. Okay, so I had this friend, kind of, in elementary school. Mm-hmm. This is really mean. And I'm, it's really Did mean. Did you flush her down the <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany. No, I didn't. Did you give someone a swirly? I didn't. So... She was, like, my backup friend. Like, mm-hmm. when all my other friends mm-hmm. couldn't hang out. Yeah. She was You've the one I would call. Her. Yeah. And my neighbor, who was also, like, my babysitter growing up and basically, like, my big sister that looks like my big sister didn't live near me. Mm-hmm. So she was, like, the big sister that I had near me. And we had this girl over once. Well, I had this girl over. And my neighbor was like, oh, you want a swirly? And she's like, oh, what is that? And she's like, oh, it's an ice cream treat. Like it's a swirly oh, she was God. like okay takes her into the bathroom and gives her like three no. swirlies and she comes out crying oh, and her the babysitter the babysitter <laughs> oh my her. god she should be paying she, the parents well she wasn't babysitting us at that time like she oh, would come over and like still. do my hair and like my nails and you know stuff like that like still. so she wasn't babysitting oh us at that time. probably like eight or nine terrible that's my yeah well this girl girl turned out strange <laughs> well she probably had water up her nose yeah. <laughs> brain damage <laughs> poor girl. oh my god you did this i me. didn't do this i thought a swirly you were just a bystander also okay you're just <laughs> i refuse to believe you're like yeah i want ice cream i was like wait she's gonna get ice cream not me <laughs> like what <laughs> oh my god no i'm pretty sure my mom was home at this time actually. oh my god yeah i'm i'm like vaguely remember my mom yelling oh my god my, my babysitter <laughs> yeah i would too. yeah so would i <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. You know who you are. Oh, no. I don't think you listen to this, but I'm really sorry about that. I'm sorry on Tiffany's behalf, too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry on you-know-who's behalf, my neighbor. Yeah. 
Horrible. No names here. Horrible. Oh, my gosh. Oh. All right. So another claim um, was that children would play a game called Naked Movie Star, suggesting acts of child pornography. Oh, my gosh. So it later came out during trial testimony that Naked Movie Star was nothing more than a rhyme used by kids to taunt each other. It goes, what you say is what you are. You're a naked movie star. Okay. Have you ever heard of that? No. No. I swear to God. So I asked Jessica the same thing. I swear to God, we used to say like some sort of phrase like that when we were kids. Really? Yeah. No. Man, you. Is it just me? You Renoans. The only thing (laughs) is like we used to say, I know you are, but what am I? Oh, yeah. Mm, would okay. say that all the time but not nothing about a naked movie star. i remember <laughs> something involving a naked movie star oh but yeah no, i don't know uh-uh. i don't know so obviously we don't kids are wild. <laughs> obviously oh, wait this is in california oh. yeah well, yes you came at, from california at the time i was in california <laughs> yeah. um so yes obviously all of these claims are found to be false there are no tunnels witches or hot air balloons or no kids getting flushed down and toilets. no kids yeah, getting right. flushed down toilets <laughs> secret no Judy Johnson, the woman who made the initial allegation, was found to have been hiding a serious mental illness from the from the defense. I couldn't find exactly what her illness was, um, but it very much contributed to her making these claims. Okay. Um, and so a total of seven employees were charged with more than 100 counts of child molestation and conspiracy what? in 1986. They were actually charged? They were actually charged. Under what grounds? <laughs> Under yeah, what what the kids. Literally That's just insane. from the kids. Four-year-olds yeah. are stupid. Yeah. Okay. But so luckily, a week later, all charges were dropped against five defendants for weak evidence. And it wasn't until 1990 that the last two defendants were acquitted on their remaining charges. Yeah. Uh, so seven years. This took a total of seven it years. It took seven years to figure out that they're not getting flushed yeah. down. <laughs> like, this is insane. Yes. What? That's crazy. So, as you can imagine, the media jumped at the chance to break the story that hundreds of children were molested and subject to satanic rituals throughout the whole thing. Oh, my God. So, this was also happening at the same time our case is happening. Yeah, that's insane. And so... When was the West Memphis 3? Shit, I don't know. 70s? Because that was in the satanic panic, like, Mm -hmm. Mm height. It might have been Uh, the 80s as well. That whole case just... Yeah, Mm. that one's crazy. That one just pisses me off. Me too. Uh, 1993. 19, okay, so it was oh, a little bit after. A little later, okay. yeah. So, at the same time McMartin Preschool was happening, pop and heavy metal music were having a major breakthrough with the younger generation. Heavy metal bands were no longer limited to playing in rundown bars and small, cramped performance venues. They were now playing in basketball arenas and at huge event centers around the world and on every teenager's Walkman. Mm-hmm. So, Walkman. <laughs> right? Like, I always, I want a Walkman. Like, I want to be cool. I know, I kind of want a Walkman. Right? Um, <laughs> so MTV was more than happy to be playing Quiet Riot and Judas Priest right next to Cyndi Lauper and Madonna. Not only were there new faces on the scene, but new music content as well. Gotta have a variety. You know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, come on. The feel-good hippie music from the 70s was replaced by music about sex, drugs, violence, and on some occasions, the occult. Parents quickly caught wind of this and immediately sought action. The Parents Music Resource Center, PMRC, Parents Music Resource Center. <laughs> was a committee formed by parents in 1985 with the mission of increasing parental control over adolescent music access. Well, okay. Well, I, I, I mean, okay. I kind of get it. I get it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like the rap nowadays. Listen, is so the things yeah, I was gross. listening to when I was 10, I could <laughs> not have been listening like to. Like Rack City and shit. Like, <laughs> I, I wasn't allowed to listen to Katy Perry for like 
a long time. <laughs> it, was it the whipped cream boobs? Yes. I had yep, California Colt 45 girls. memorized to oh a T when I was Zags, literally nine. Like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Dickhead by Mad Child. Fucking terrible song. I don't know that Know song. every single word of it. It's yeah, horrible. I don't know that song. It's, I don't it's know not that song something. Either. It's like so degrading. Yeah, there are a, a lot. Yeah. I get it. I get and I it. see like I, all these like oh. TikToks and reels about like, oh, like songs that I used to vibe to when I was in like middle school hit mm-hmm. differently now that you have a kid. Yeah. <laughs> you actually hear the you're lyrics like, oh, and you're damn. like, oh, yes, it's true. It's I was true. singing this when I was eight. <laughs> like, yeah. What yeah. happened? I mean, cause I get it. It's <laughs> a little bit overboard to like have a whole ass committee about it. Mm-hmm. But like. I do get it. Yeah. I don't want Avery, like, listening to the shit I listen to. Yeah. One time I had to finish a, a song before I could leave my friend's house. And I got in the car and I told my mom, like, I'm just finishing the song. I'll be down in a second. And I get in the car. I was like, yeah, the song I was listening to is I'm in love with the stripper. And I was literally, like, nine. Yeah. <laughs> Horrible. My mom didn't even know what it meant. Out. It's fine. So the PMRC also released a list called The Filthy Fifteen. Which included songs they thought they thought were too explicit for youth. Guess who was number three on that list? Judas Priest. Judas Priest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I got it. it yep. Yeah. <laughs> so some other people. So Prince was number one. Prince. What? Yeah, with his song "Darling Nikki," which is about sex and masturbation. Okay. Sheena Easton. I don't know who that is, but Neither. her song "Sugar Walls" is about sex, and then Judas Priest at number three in their song "Eat Me Alive," which is about sex. Uh, Cindy Lauper and Madonna are also on this list. What? And well, the so the lyrical content is sex, masturbation, violence, language, drugs, and alcohol use in the occult. So, so all these like, songs are about that. Basically, nowadays music, like yeah. everywhere, <laughs> yeah, literally yeah. everywhere today. So PMRC was also responsible for what everyone has seen on popular album covers these days: stickers that state "parental advisory, explicit content." Hmm. When I was younger, I used to think that was just, like, something they I thought put on was, the album. I thought it was, too. like, a part of the album cover. I thought it was, like, a <laughs> yeah. cool, like, oh. Yeah. yeah. Like, no. Like, I thought they did that on this their own. No, so cool. did I. But, no, it's, like, a law yeah. or huh. some, something like that. Interesting. Yeah, it's, like, having to rate movies and stuff. Yeah. 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 Weird. Interesting. Um, so, yeah. So, that's pretty much all the background I have. So, we can go back to Ray and James. So, in 1986, a lawsuit was filed by the Vance and Belknap families against Judas Priest and was headed by Nevada attorney Ken McKenna and Tim Post. Have you seen Ken McKenna? Or, like, he has a billboard. I know that name. Yeah, you know the name. He Mm -hmm. has a billboard in Sparks off of... uh, He's still uh, around. 80, yeah. Damn. Um, So, their suit alleged that that the song Better By You, Better Than Me urged the boys to suicide via subliminal messages telling them to, quote, do it. I'd like to. I'd like to hear this song. Should we pause and listen to the song? Yeah. Okay. Hold on. All right. Me and Sarah are confused. Uh, yeah. I don't get it. So okay. So real fast. So in total, they're seeking six point two million dollars in damages from the band as well as CBS Records in the eighties. In the eighties, claiming that the music and album cover contains subliminal messages. Let's do so, that album cover. I know. Let's go back. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh. Okay. So. I mean. The first thing okay. I thought of when I read the details of this case is wouldn't this infringe upon the First Amendment of free speech? True. So the answer is not that simple. So to clear your confusion, this case rests on the fact that the lyrics itself never say do it. They literally right. don't. Literally, they like, don't just, say it. That was like so my the phrase. Comment. Yeah. So the phrase is never mentioned anywhere in the song, nor does it appear on the album cover. 
So if the phrase was on either, we're talking as if it was a known part of the record when released, then it would be protected uh, by free speech. So in the case of Vance versus Judas Priest, it is not protected by the First Amendment because the recipient is not aware of the information they are receiving. What? So... (laughs) So what they're claiming oh, okay, is that they're not outright saying they're not outright saying it. So yeah. what they think is that so what the Vance and Belknap families think is that Judas Priest intentionally hid the message "Do it" in the song to urge people to suicide. I that is what they're claiming. Yeah, I don't see that anywhere in the song. It's not no, no but that's, they don't. That's, that's the point. Only, that's the point. No, like I don't even see like any type of urging in the that's song. all right yeah. but they're saying oh it was subliminal mm-hmm. and so it's not because they didn't outright say do it so it's not technically free speech because yeah. they didn't speak it they didn't say that but yeah. they're saying this that like so confusing it's, yeah it's ridiculous <laughs> so an article by the skeptical inquirer states the messages can't contribute to dialogue the pursuit of truth the market marketplace of ideas or personal autonomy there is no information exchange. No argument is possible if the recipients are unaware of the message's presence. So basically, you have the right to free speech as well as freedom from unwanted speech. But subliminal messages are unavoidable because you do not know they are there. Just making a little more sense? <sighs> yeah, and it's just, I hate it. My, my <laughs> like, brain so is not, yeah. like, wrapping around this whole thing. <laughs> it's okay. So it's okay. We're, we'll get we'll get there. I know. It's, it's It took me a while, too, like, to figure out exactly, like, what they were claiming yeah. for this case. Um, so the band, the members of the band obviously denied that they had purposefully included subliminal messages in their music. But the motion to push the case to trial was granted. I feel like this is very similar to, like, art is in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, this is an art form that they are doing, and, like, whoever's listening can take it so many different mm-hmm. ways. I mean, you see, like, a painting of literally, like, a splash of color, and people are like, oh, my gosh, it means <laughs> this. And it's yeah. like, I can see the realism in the pink tones. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, and it's like, <laughs> I'm like I what? see literally none of that. I see but a paint okay. splatter, but, like, great. Right, but I'm people glad inter- you can figure that out. <laughs> people are allowed to interpret art how they interpret it. And, yeah. like, that's not... The and music fault. is art. Mm-hmm. And it's not the fault of the artist. No. Correct. So this was the first lawsuit in history to make a claim that subliminal messages could drive a person to suicide. Fans and metalheads united at the courthouse in Reno, demanding that the band be exonerated. So if you haven't heard of Judas Priest before this podcast, you're living under a rock. <laughs> Sarah and Tiffany. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> okay, um, whatever. <laughs> So the band was formed in Birmingham, England in 1969, and they have sold over 50 million records worldwide and are considered one of the best uh, metal bands of all time by many metalheads. Interesting. In the height of their fame, they were always seen sporting the typical black studded leather outfits. They very much stood out of the crowd based on their looks as well as their music. Much of their music inspiration actually comes from the industrial districts in the Midlands. So the father of Rob Halford, their lead singer, worked in a metal factory making parts for nuclear reactors. Glenn Tipton, the guitarist in the band, was also an apprentice at the factory British British Steel. I can't talk right now. I like that they are a metal band working in a metal factory. Right? So as kids, they would walk past metal foundries and watch vats of molten metal being poured and would literally breathe in metal fumes. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Tipton recalled that he'd be in school trying to do English literature, and the classroom would be shaking because of the machinery. 
To them, music was an escape. Halford described the lyrics in their songs as an artistic expression of the feeling of isolation and frustration that living in the modern world can give you. Totally. They're nowhere in that saying, kill yourself. No. No. (laughs) Literally not. Some of their songs even have, like, anti-suicide messages. Yeah. Hello. (laughs) So, even though he would be testifying against them, James Vance would never get the chance to meet his former idols. On Thanksgiving Day in 1988, James entered a coma due to unknown circumstances and Mm. passed away six days later on November 29th. I wonder if it was, like, complications. Yeah. So, he was only 23 years old. Do you know if, um, like, once he... Because he recovered and he was able to speak Mm -hmm. and stuff, right? Yeah. Did he regret, like... He did. He never took any responsibility, though. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think... A lot of people that I've heard that have, like, attempted and had it not work are, like, or, there's a guy who jumped off the Golden Gate mm-hmm, Bridge and he mm-hmm. lived. Literally what yeah. I was and about he to said, bring up. Yeah, he said as soon as his feet left the bridge, he regretted he it. Yeah. 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 And he was, like, so thankful to be alive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, after three years of complicated and painful surgeries, becoming a born-again Christian and having a daughter, James had unfortunately become addicted to painkillers. After an autopsy, the cause of death imagine. was ruled as an overdose from methadone. And while it was never really, never formally declared as a suicide, the dosage level was described by the coroner as likely intentional. Two years later, the case went to trial in July of 1990. But yeah, and just like having to, having to deal with that aftermath of watching your friend kill himself and then surviving oh your own suicide attempt. Let's be real, I'd probably get addicted to painkillers uh, yeah, at that point. Yeah, like, me I, too. I would be a mess. Mm-hmm. And, like, the survivor's guilt. And... Yeah. Oh, I no. can't imagine. Can it be me? So, this case is one revolving around product liability and, pro- and liability science, which assumes that every ill has a cause. So, if someone gets into a car accident, the driver can claim that there is a mechanical error rather than operator error. So, in this case, Judas Priest put out a, po- a product to the public, and it caused harm to someone. Therefore, they are considered liable for any ill consequences. This also assumes that there were no other factors involved. The defense was trying to claim that the subliminal messages were the sole cause of the boys' suicide. One man who testified on behalf of the prosecution was Wilson Key. So he was known for popularizing the idea that subliminal messages are hidden in commercial advertising. So while he might have been on the prosecution's witness list... He did the defense a huge favor when he claimed that he saw subliminal messages on Rich Crackers, the Sistine Chapel, <laughs> Sears Catalog, okay. and the nightly NBC News. He also has no professional credentials to back his claims. <laughs> Shocker. Okay. Right? So another man who testified for the prosecution, who unfortunately had a credential background, was Howard Chevron. He had researched subliminal messages for 20 years. <sighs> okay. Uh, He had researched subliminal messages for 20 years and had multiple credible and peer-reviewed journals to his name. So he claimed that subliminal messages were extremely potent. (laughs) Uh, He claimed that subliminal messages were extremely potent because of the recipient's ignorance to the messages themselves, along with his or her inner motivation. He argued that the messages were inherently compelling from a psychological standpoint, saying that when we consciously experience a command... We can ignore or comply with commands as we see fit. But if a command is subliminal, 
it may become a part of our ongoing stream of motives, feelings, and inner promptings. He claimed that it can influence any current situation one might be in, including suicide. Does that sound kind of persuasive? What do you think about that? Mm, I just... I'm just having a hard time even understanding the subliminal message in that song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's, I think, what's really yeah. throwing me. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't feel like there's any subliminal message yeah. in that song. Right. But, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm really just struggling there with with this, specifically the song. Yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs> so. Like, I get the point of subliminal messages and, mm-hmm. like, what he's saying, but I just don't think it applies. Yeah. yeah same. Yeah. So, when Chevron was asked by the defense what studies he was referencing for his claims, he just stated, I'm basing my opinion, my expert judgment, on a corpus of literature and on hundreds of experiments. When asked to name one, he did name three, but none of them even remotely demonstrated what he claimed subliminal messages could do. In actuality, there are very few scientific research studies on the effects of subliminal messages. With the studies that have been published... The only they only produce seemingly uncompelling evidence, so he was still basically just like testifying with junk science. Yeah, um, sounds like it. Yeah, so when it came time for the defense's presentation, they didn't hold back. First, a technician who had previously testified that when reviewing the music, he was able to find several instances where "Do It" was able to be heard in that song. In the song, where? Yeah, show and me so- where. Is it, like, is he misinterpreting, like, the, <laughs> the like, instrumentals or something? Like, I'm confused. Pretty much. So, when Rob Halford took the stand, he had the same technician play the recordings again, forwards, backwards, and sped up, and was able to demonstrate that the listener could hear really whatever they wanted to. Mm-hmm. So, do you remember... It's on- like Ghost Adventures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, like, also, I don't know who's like listening to a song in reverse or sped up like because when i i remember when i was in middle school like my friends would be like remember the song uh call me maybe by carly ray jemson Mm -hmm. they'd be like if you listen to it backwards it's about uh worshiping satan well same with with, um um, jay-z's song yeah i don't remember Mm -hmm. what it was and so it's literally people just like messing around with music and trying to find something that could be there but it's also like coincidental and so do you also remember the viral picture on Instagram a couple years ago when people were arguing whether a dress oh, was black coming. and blue or white and gold? Mm-hmm. And it was obviously black and blue. <laughs> I thought it was white and gold. I saw white and gold for like two seconds and then it was Okay, in the original picture, that. I could not see black and blue. I could only see white and gold. I, yeah, I saw the black and blue and I thought the first time people were like arguing over and I'm like, what are they arguing about? I'm confused. Yeah. And then the next time I saw it, it was clearly white and gold. Yeah. But then I was like, oh, so it's just a different picture. And then I never saw white and gold after that. Yeah. Always black and blue. And then so then there was also a viral video where people were arguing whether a recording was saying Yanny or Laurel. Mm, there's Do you remember one that one? There's the one that says, there's... oh, Barbie or oh, fuck. Yeah. 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 And so I played um, the Yanny or Laurel video for me and Jessica, and I heard Laurel, and she heard Yanny. But it's whatever word you think about. Yeah. But see, and then I played it again, and I was like, Yanny, Yanny, and I could only hear Laurel. Do you have it? I do have it. Let's hear it. Okay. Bless you, oh, baby no. girl. Yeah, by the way, we have baby and puppy here Baby now. and puppy are... <laughs> it's, a bit, it's a bit hectic. It's, it's a little chaotic, but we're getting hectic. through it. Okay, so this is a video from The Guardian. 
Oh, got an ad. You <laughs> love ads. It's about Pop Tarts. <laughs> Crazy good. Laurel. 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 Wait. Laurel. I can't hear Yanny. Yeah, I can't hear Yanny. Yanny. No. Yanny. I can't hear it. Yeah. I can't hear it. Nope. It's not happening. Yeah. And so no. I, I played that for Jessica and she's like, I only hear Yanny. What? So whatever. So when it comes to something like that with um, a weird recording or a song that's played backwards, whatever you hear is subjective based on your own personal biases that you, yeah, you aren't even aware of. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. Um, so yeah. So Phyllis, uh, James Vance's mother, much to her dismay, desperately tried to skew the image of her family in her favor. Unfortunately, that just wasn't the case for her or Anetta. When Phyllis Vance took the stand, she did defend her son's life decisions. She reminisced on times when they took trips to Disneyland and Knott's Berry Farm. In the documentary about the case called Dream Deceivers, home movies from the Vances show a young James playing with his mother and riding on a carousel. While she does describe James as obnoxious and a punk as a teenager, she gave off the impression that she was unaware of his depression. Mm-hmm. She asked on the stand, doesn't antisocial mean you have no friends? Yeah, growing up, I always thought that antisocial meant antisocial. Yeah. Like, I, I don't yeah. understand why they don't call it something different. Yeah. And just the fact that she didn't know what it meant, I'm just like, homegirl. Homegirl. What, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, okay, so some background information on James. His biological father abandoned his mother when she was pregnant with him at only 17 years old. Oh, man. Yeah. James was held... James was held back twice in school uh, in the first and second grade, and when he was seven, he wrapped a belt around his forehead and ripped out chunks of his hair in class, resulting in him being sent to a therapist. What did the belt have to do with anything? I have no you idea. Just, you just, he like, just wrapped just wrap the, this yeah. around my head and yeah. pull out my hair. Uh, apparently. Oh, so many doctors recommended that he should be put on Ritalin, but Phyllis refused. Um, he later tried to choke his mother in a car barely a year after that incident. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And uh, he was how old? Uh, so he was seven when he ripped so out he his hair. Like so eight? he was eight when he tried to choke oh his mom. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Man. Yep. Um, so his stepfather, Emmett Vance, also known as Tony, was an alcoholic and a frequent gambler. He described himself as a strict but not overly strict parent, and in the documentary, he recalled a time when he beat James with his fist as a punishment. I'm sorry, that's a little overly strict. Yeah. Not even strict, that's just a that's, child abuse. Yeah, literally. Don't beat your kids with your fist. He also abused Phyllis early in their marriage. Shocker. Yeah. He's abusing the kids, he's for sure abusing, abusing the her. wife. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Phyllis also admitted that she went through a period of time where she was drinking more than people thought was normal. She then gave up alcohol in 1973. Good. She testified that she also hit James more than just a normal spanking. Oh, man. This poor kid. (laughs) I know. And after she got help for her anger management, Phyllis was warned by school counselors that he would likely respond violently to stressful situations. When James reached his teens, he broke another student's jaw while in a fight at school. He later dropped out of Reed High School in the 10th oh. grade. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's a familiar name. All right. I'm like, <laughs> I can't believe Reed has been around for that long. But Right? <laughs> um, 
Um, Damani's like super new. New. Yeah. <laughs> when I went, Damani was only like 15 years old or something. Yeah. Like when, that. Well, I remember. I think my graduating class, I think was like the first freshmen's there, if I oh, remember really? correctly. I could be wrong. But yeah, it's like new interesting. School. Not that it matters to anybody listening. No, <laughs> just us. <laughs> um, so he, after he dropped out, he started experimenting with a lot of drugs, including cocaine, heroin, LSD, and barbiturates. He did indeed act violently towards his mother when he started hitting her, threatened her with a hammer, and oh my even gosh. held a loaded gun to her head. Wow, this sounds like my brother is a teenager. Oh, Minus the loaded gun. Yeah. <laughs> he did not have a loaded That's gun. That's a little much. <laughs> Except uh, a BB gun. Okay. I mean, that's still not good, but... His friend did shoot me with the BB gun in my own house when I was, like, eight, Ooh. so that's fine. Those hurt. They do, especially <laughs> as a child. Yeah, what the heck? Uh, I know, I've been shot with a pellet gun, and that hurt. Yeah, they're painful. Yeah, I'm like, what the heck? Ugh. Um, So, eventually, James was checked into rehab, where he wrote in a questionnaire that one of his favorite leisure activities was doing drugs. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. After he was released, he did go to Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, but ran away from home a total of 13 times. Oh, man. Yeah. Did you ever run run away from home? There was a point where I wanted to, but I never got the nerve to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I didn't. Very, yeah. yeah, My mom's ex-husband made me want to run away all the time. Yeah. But also, I was like, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I have no money. Like, I'm a child. Yeah. So I was like, I might as well just suck it up. Kids, don't run away. It's stupid. Don't, no. Please don't. Your parents love you, okay? Unless... Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. For the most part, for your the most part, love you. yes. No. Now that I've grown up a little bit, I understand that my parents only wanted the best for me. And yeah, your parents are great. Yeah, they're real G's. Mom, Dad, I love you. I love you guys. <laughs> um. So sadly, it's a very similar story for Ray's family life. Oh man. Yeah. In her testimony, Annette. And they're trying to blame this song. Yes. For yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. In her testimony, Annette stated that. Uh, Oh, sorry. In her testimony, Annetta stated that she was very upset on how the media made Ray out to look like some despicable, drug-crazed loser, and it's just not true. Mm -hmm. She was also very insistent that Ray was not a drug abuser, and that he paid room and board, helped around the house, and always took part in family activities such as fishing, swimming, and backpacking. The defense painted a very different picture when cross-examining her. One flaw that Ray had... Uh, that Anetta did admit to was that when it came to making decisions, Ray did not know how to take the lead. He was always a follower. Along with Ray, Anetta had three daughters. At the time, she was a single mother and had recently divorced from her fourth husband. Oh, man. When Ray was just a boy, one of his stepfathers would abuse him by locking both of them in the garage and whipping him with a belt Mm. until he could get the door open and scramble upstairs to hide in his room. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Once he reached his teens, he developed a disliking for authority and also dropped out of Reed High School. In well, the if frame. I was getting whipped until I could hide, like, yeah. I would also hate authority. Yeah. Like, that's an authority figure in your life who's doing that to you. Yeah. So, yeah. Man, um, that's really sad. I know. So he was able to get a few construction jobs here and there, but he was never able to hold on to one. He was also able to get his hands on a few different weapons, including a sawed-off shotgun, a pellet gun, a twenty-two caliber rifle, and a dart gun. Before his passing, James stated that Ray did experiment with amphetamines and cocaine, along with drinking and smoking weed. Ray had a rap sheet of multiple run-ins with the law for shoplifting and other petty crimes. 
1984, Ray stole around $450 from his employer and used it to take a bus to Oklahoma to see his biological father. He would later uh, turn himself in for the theft and be placed on probation. Ray had also attempted suicide prior to 1985 and often expressed suicidal ideations. A week before the suicide pact, an incident was reported to authorities where he was caught shooting a blowgun at a neighbor's cat. <gasps> I know. Not the cat. I know. What's he, a blowgun? Uh, so it's like, it's like a tube and then you put the uh, dart or whatever and then you literally yeah, just yeah. blow through it. I used to have a marshmallow gun. Yeah. I don't know what Um... He had also given away his Christmas presents early to his family members and asked his pregnant sister, Rita Skolison, to name her baby after him. Oh, man. Rita would also attempt to take her life in 1989. <gasps> I couldn't find if she actually did it or if she lived, but yeah. Oh, but that's her just, baby. I know. And she had other kids, too, Aww. that were there the night it happened. Yeah. That's so, sad. Even after their cross-examination... Onetta and Phyllis would continue to blame Judas Priest. Phyllis stated that James would quote their lyrics just like it was scripture, like he believed every word of it. Even though their boys were best friends, the two mothers never interacted until that tragic night in December. It's like their hatred for heavy metal music was what brought them together. Their plan for the money that they would receive, should they win, was to create a foundation that would continue the research into subliminal messaging and give parents a resource to bring their at-risk, heavy metal-loving children to be deprogrammed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, for at-risk, I was like, okay, heavy metal-loving, yeah. like, uh. Like, they literally think, like, heavy metal is a cult. And it's, it's like people who think that um, video games yeah. cause people Yeah, that's, I was also thinking like, the same thing. Like, video games cause people to be violent. But like, no. there's how many trillions, probably, of people that play, play video games and GTA have never done and, something like, bad. Yeah, yeah. I've played GTA. I would yeah. never just go shoot some dude and take his car. Like, no. <laughs> you know? No, it's a game. absolutely not. It's a game. It's not real. It's music. Literally. <sighs> so, the trial itself lasted a total of 17 days and included 40 witness testimonies. In the end, the judge ruled that there were many significant independent factors that made Ray and James a high risk for suicide that did not include subliminal messaging. He stated that the research presented did not prove that uh, subliminal stimuli could push someone to suicide. So was Judas Priest, like, there? Yes. I mean, they had to be, right? They had to be. They stayed, like, in some hotel for about a month and they would only come out for the trial because they didn't want i mean like they would sign um like some fans were at the courthouse and they would like sign their records and stuff but Mm -hmm. other than that like they didn't go out or do anything they just stayed there yeah i probably would do the same yeah me too (laughs) i'd be like half this place wants to kill me and half this place literally yeah um and so the judge declared that judas priest was not responsible for the death of ray and disfigurement of james good yeah so, even though the judge would not rule in their favor in the end, both Phyllis and Onetta were pleased with how their case brought attention to the dangers of heavy metal music. Onetta would later state in a press interview that bands are beginning to be censored, and I'm happy about it. I think the record industry is going to be more careful from now on. Which, she was going to write about that, but I just don't think in the way that she was thinking right. they would be censored. So, the band and their fans were obviously relieved. 
Right. Halford stated after the trial concluded that he really wanted to go over to the boy. Uh, he really wanted to go over to the mother of the boy who killed himself and give her a hug and tell her he was sorry for her loss of her child and that he just wanted to get coffee and talk it over. Oh, like literally that all could have just been solved in the conversation. It's just sad that a whole trial had to take place. Yeah. And like Sarah said earlier, I can't imagine like being the mother of someone that this has happened to yeah um so i can't really it's like you don't know how you would act yeah you, you don't know? know how you would act in the like, situation we sit here and until we're like, it happens you know it's not the music's fault yeah but then when you're a grieving mom like you mm. might you want something to blame yeah yeah and you want something that's definitely not yourself mm-hmm. and there's in like denial like mm-hmm. times a hundred Oh, I can't. I Mm-mm. don't ever want to experience that. Nope. Me either. I pray that I don't. Me either. Um, the manager of Judas Priest, Bill Kerbishley, stated that he didn't even know what subliminal message were, messages were, but if we were going to do that, I'd be saying buy seven copies, not telling a couple of screwed up kids to kill themselves. Yeah. And like, no band is going to like try and subliminally subliminally tell their fans to kill themselves like no that's, why would they it, yeah like every artist loves their fans like they're the only reason they're successful yeah exactly it's like you why? don't want them to die yeah like that's ruining you <laughs> literally so raymond belknap and james vance are both buried at the mountain view cemetery in reno nevada and judas priest has not performed in reno since november 3rd of 1990 I can imagine why. Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't either if I were Me them. either. <laughs> like, we don't want to go back to that place. No, no, <laughs> just horrible memories. Like... Are they still performing? Oh, yeah. They have tours set up for next year or this oh. coming year. Yeah, no, they're still, like, my dad. Can't believe I lived under a rock this you whole time. You did live under a rock this whole time. <laughs> but, yeah, so that is the story of Vance versus Judas Priest. Man, that was a, that was sad. Yeah, it was really sad, wasn't it? Quite puzzling. It was quite puzzling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I feel bad. I I feel bad for them. Yeah. I wish their home lives were better. Me too. Like, literally, like, they just needed support and, like, love. And this wouldn't have happened. But I just can't imagine not being, like, the best parent I could be. Right? You know? Like, how do people have the mindset to, like, just hurt their kids? Exactly. Mentally and physically. And it's horrible. Yeah. But I feel like hopefully less of that will happen nowadays now that we have, like, access to information on how to prevent this from happening. But mm-hmm. back then, they didn't have anything like that. It was, like, taboo to talk about stuff like that. So Right. Like, you keep it to yourself. Literally. Because everyone had to have a picture-perfect family. But that's... And now therapy's normalized. Yes. And... And perfect families don't exist. <laughs> nah, man, I wish they did. Right. Not even a little bit. I wish they did. Perfect doggies, though. I know. They exist, huh, Moose? They do exist. <laughs> and when you called her Moose, I was like, wait, who the heck is Moose? <laughs> who is Moose? Who's Moose? Like, oh, Misty. <laughs> I know Sarah, um, so yeah, my Sarah friend Aria had, had, oh, yeah, Sarah had to leave. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, we didn't tell you earlier. But puppy and baby were just being too much. They were um, chaotic. Puppy assistant, they... baby assistant. Baby assistant. <laughs> puppy assistant. Puppy assistant. <laughs> Um, Aria was throwing out name ideas for Tucker, uh-huh. and she was like, what about Moose? Moose. Sarah's like, 
oh, I really like that, but I can't. It's yeah. literally Misty's nickname. Misty. I call her Moose more than I call her Misty at this really? point. Really? Yeah. I've never heard you call her Moose until today. She's a moose. You're a miss. She's a moose dog. Miss. Dog moose. Moose moose. Oh my god, did you see that video of a moose just like trampling through four feet of snow like it was nothing? Oh, I believe they're huge. They're scary, dude. Yeah. I don't want to piss off a moose ever. No, me either. I want to piss off this moose a lot. <laughs> I'm sure you do. She's a cutie boy. She is. Well, I'm so happy you did this. Dude, yeah. It was so much fun. It's my first time being it's on a podcast. It's always a like, nice break to not have to do something for a week too yeah i bet like it was sarah's <laughs> week but she gets an extra week to work on her case nice and i get an extra week for my next case like nice. it's always so great you know literally i've been working on this for like a week and a half because like it needs to be perfect mm-hmm. but yeah i was working on it last night and my parents i finished it last night and then my parents were like Catherine, come on like, we're gonna play a game i was like oh, i need to finish this it's not <laughs> done like it's not how i want it to be and then 10 minutes later i was like okay fun okay good enough okay. we can play a game now Mom. yes we can play a game now <laughs> so yeah um, but no it was really fun being on a podcast isn't it fun yeah like i, I want to start my own podcast but i don't know if, what about i'm i'm still just nervous to hear my voice play back oh, so this will be interesting my voice is garbage every time i hear it, i'm like Ugh. it's like nails on chalkboard yep and i feel like when i'm like in my here my my earphones <laughs> in my headphones i don't feel like i have the most obnoxious voice ever mm-hmm. but then the second i hear it when i play back the recording yep. i'm like Ugh, yeah whenever i take gross. a video like on my phone i'm like okay don't talk because your voice is annoying yeah so. sometimes i just delete the video and like, yeah i don't I'm like, want people no, to hear it or i'll just i'll post it but i'll mute it so you can't hear anything I'm yep like, no. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I just don't want my voice <laughs> But it's fine. Yeah, no, this is literally so much fun. So thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. Of course. That was a good case. Thank you. I'm happy that they were not found Yeah. responsible. Me too. Especially because I still don't understand how the subliminal messaging is in that song. But yeah, yeah. it's just It's me. not. It's literally not. It's literally not. Judge declared that it's not. <laughs> and what's it called again? So people can look it up. Um, Better by You, Better Than Me by Judas Priest. There it is. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, nobody was really evil in this case. No. I mean, yeah, nobody was really evil yeah. in this case. I guess just like the whole satanic panic era was like the evil thing. Yeah the evil catalyst of it all so yep it's always uh they need something to blame yeah it's like the, the parents and yep. victims they there need something go. to blame yeah the country need, needed something to blame it that's was satanic it panic yep satanic panic well so, guys don't be evil don't be evil just don't do it don't do it don't be it and we love you guys i love you thanks for listening thanks for listening to me <laughs> <laughs> bye bye